show. I'm Kelly, your resident engineering and physics student. And I'm Shannon, your local English major and book reporter. And you're listening to Twin Geeks, where we're learning with you and for you times two. How have you been? I've been. We are now on the Tuesday of our second week of classes. So mm-hmm. I went to my first in-person class on Friday. And then this following Monday, I had an in-person class kind of right at the beginning of the day. So I was on campus for a good part of the day. I've also found out that it is very easy for me to work through lunch, which is not a good thing. Because um, I got back yeah. at like you need to eat. 2.30 that day and realized the only thing I'd had to eat in. I had eaten that day was um, a biscuit with some jam and milk. <laughs> so, oh my god! Yeah, Kelly. <laughs> I know. I need to throw some peanut butter crackers or something in my backpack because that's not healthy. Just, just make a sandwich. That's true. I could make a sandwich. I got these bento boxes. Well, you saw them. I got bento boxes, but I didn't use them. So yeah. Also, mm-hmm. places on campus are kind of weird about eating right now because they don't want people taking off their masks. So I would have to sit outside and eat, but mm-hmm. it was pouring, <laughs> so that was not yeah. Good. That's kind of gross. Yeah. Well, I only have to leave uh, the apartment um, once a week mm-hmm. to go to campus. That's good. Um, so that's nice. Um, but that being said, I'm not getting it as much like exercise mm-hmm. as I normally yeah. would um so trying to fill that in by doing some running which I'm so bad at running my little tiny legs are not made for running yeah I don't have the body of a runner I have the body of a um not runner I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> maybe a swimmer yeah I don't know I'm pretty good at swimming um I'm just not very tall but um I don't have the good I don't have very good stamina either. So like I can only get through like a quarter of my running program before I decide this has been enough. Yeah. Um one of my roommates and two of her friends last night were uh doing like a video uh exercise thing and it mm. looked exhausting. <laughs> I was eating my dinner while they were doing it, so I was just standing in the kitchen watching them do jumping jacks and stuff and just generally bother the people that live below us, which, you know, (laughs) it's Mm -hmm. not ideal. But, um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I felt felt very much like the um, two older Muppets in the Muppet show that just sit there and critique everything. That's (laughs) me and my, me and my roommate standing in, me and one of my other roommates standing in the kitchen felt very much like that yeah we tried to do me and my roommate tried to do yoga the other day with one of our friends and they were doing great i am so stiff like you used to be so flexible doing dance and everything else and now i cannot extend my legs past like a 45 degree angle mm-hmm. <laughs> and um balance is hard yeah so that is also something I want to work on if I can. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll see. Well, do we want to jump into the meat and bones? Sure. So, starting off with things we learned in class since we are now back at school. Mm-hmm. Um, I am taking a number of Shakespeare classes. So, I'm only taking four classes, and half of them are Shakespeare classes. One of them is an acting class, and one of them is a literature class. But I'm specifically talking about 
acting today, but I'll probably talk about other Shakespeare stuff later. Um, but part of acting in Shakespeare, uh, part of acting in general is script analysis and text analysis. Um, and you do that by writing notes in the margins, um, making note of words or phrases or speech patterns that are, you know, important. Um, in Shakespeare, this is called scansion. So scansion is the marking of rhythm in verse, and since all of Shakespeare's plays are written in verse, um, which verse is basically just like a rhythmic pattern of speech. So think like poetic kind of, there's a rhythm, there's a beat, that sort of thing. So scansion is like the marking of that. Um, so and so it's just like the in high school English class and we would do like the dashes and the U's above the syllables. Am I following correctly? Yeah, that's okay. exactly what it is. Okay. Yeah. I remember something from English class. <laughs> yeah, there you go. See, I forgot completely about that until we were doing it in class the other day. Um, but um, and Shakespeare writes in an iambic pentameter. Do you know why he writes an iambic pentameter, Kelly? Because it sounds cool. I mean, essentially, yes. So, um, <laughs> at the basics. Um, so, iambic pentameter has that kind of heartbeat feel like the ba dum ba dum ba dum ba dum that, like, weak, strong, weak, strong. Mm -hmm. Um... And it has forward motion, the, like, iambic part. So, iambic... An iamb is a group of syllables, which is a short, weak syllable that's followed by a long, strong syllable. Long, strong syllable. So it's ba dum ba dum ba dum ba dum ba dum, and then pentameter uh, is a group of five. So it's the meter. So it's a group of five feet, and feet is like a group of two syllables. Um, and so it has this like forward motion that keeps it going, keeps the like text and conversation going. It's it's interesting to listen to um and the five makes it sound more like prose which is just like ordinary speech um and it is the least amount of feet that gives you the most flexibility um so not only is it like rhythmic like music but it is um calculated like math almost mm. in that way that like counting and music is kind of intertwined now there are variations, and this is where the interesting part of scansion gets into. So if you change the rhythm, it gives an actor a clue to what the character is thinking. Um, so for example, the regular line, the ba dum ba dum ba dum ba dum ba dum, that just like consistent, straightforward, um, ten syllables, five strong, five weak, um, gives an indication of like. This character's thought process is straightforward, it's concise, it's connected, they know what they're saying. Um, and it's just kind of like this neutral speech, right? Like how you and I would be talking. Mm -hmm. um, there's also a weak ending, so that's like ba-dum, 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 ba-dum-bum. Um, and it's unresolved, so it has, it's an ongoing thought. So if it is the end of that sentence, and it's ba-dum, 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 ba-dum-bum, it's, um, it'll either point to the next regular line or just be kind of this unresolved thought in the air. So like something that it kind of foreshadows in a way because you're like, oh, what's coming next? He didn't, he has this unresolved thought. He's not thinking completely out loud, which in Shakespeare, all the characters think 
out loud. Like they either say exactly what they're thinking and feeling to another person on the stage, themselves or the audience. There's like no subtext, mm -hmm. which is really interesting. Um, so that's the week ending. Um, just unresolved and ongoing thought. Um, and then there's a short line, which is just like less than five syllables um, or less than five strong beats and less than 10 syllables. Um, so this thought lands and reverberates. It's a kind of um, just concise thought. Um, so I can't think of an example right now, um, but it's kind of a, that additional space left at the end of the line that like the space that that those like syllables that aren't there is typically held to kind of like kind of let the thought hit you and like resonate with you so mm -hmm. it would be something like um in Othello when Iago and Othello are talking about Desdemona um and Iago's like, is she really honest? That line, that's not the exact line, but that line is a short line because it is supposed to kind of insinuate, give this like ending thought of that to resonate basically with a, oh, it's a, maybe she's not um, mm -hmm. honest or whatever. It starts the whole downward spiral. Right, exactly. And then the last one is a long line. So there's, uh, six or more beats, um, five strong, and there's more than t 12 syllables, um, since 11 syllables is this um, weak ending that we talked about earlier. Mm -hmm. um, and it's kind of emphatic. Um, so it's supposed to be um, kind of an order, pompous, um, think like war speech kind of, um, to kind of rouse up their the crowd or the the characters um so that's something interesting um and there's also some variation in meter so for example the fairies in a midsummer night's dream they speak in a different meter kind of a different like form um to make it sound more sing-songy like a fairy would be mm -hmm. um and you can use this like um, broken down uh, examination of meter and form to get a better understanding of what the character is feeling. So like if they have this long line, for example, that's like very emphatic, they're trying to, what is their intent? They're trying to like rouse up the crowd or like, you know, do whatever. If there's this unresolved thought, they're trying to insinuate something or just like point to the next concise thought basically which is really interesting and not something I had really thought about but it makes sense because like you know when you're when you're listening to Shakespeare watching it performed you can you can feel the um the meter like it, it sounds mostly like reg regular speech but you can still feel the meter and if there are like some kind of discrepancies um because the language is so strange um which i'll probably talk about later but like the language is a little weird so you may not understand exactly what is being said but that kind of intonation and change in beat helps you understand better what's going on so that's just something i thought was really really cool and like in my shakespeare literature class looking at those lines i haven't done a ton of scansion with the stuff that i've read because i'm just trying to read it and analyze it um mm -hmm. But it's really interesting. So yeah, um, it's really cool, and it brings that kind of musicality into Shakespeare because Shakespeare was a poet. Like he was an actor in a play like 
playwright, but he was also a poet. Um, and so it's really interesting to see the connection between his poetry and his um, plays. So yeah. What's your first thing, Kel? Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I didn't learn this necessarily this week, but I learned this when I was doing summer classes. And it's the idea that people just take the idea of coming up with standardized units and run wild with it. And like, yeah, some of these are important. Like, for example, um, I know I've talked to you a little bit about how um, in metric we use uh, like kilogram or gram as a unit of mass. Mm-hmm. But in the in the U.S., since we use, I think it's called U.S. customary, um, we use pounds usually, but pounds are a unit of weight and mm-hmm. not a unit of mass Hmm. so the unit of mass in u.s customary is called a slug it's spelled exactly like (laughs) the bug the little slimy dude Mm -hmm. that doesn't do well with salt (laughs) but it's called a slug that's the unit um but the problem is is that people have kind of just taken the idea of coming up with units and run just absolutely buck wild with it um Mm -hmm. for example one of a couple of my friends came across one called a slinch, which a is slinch. just twelve slugs. <laughs> a slinch, also known as a blob, which is really confusing because a blob is just a term we use in physics a lot for describing an object mm-hmm. that has no like defined shape. It's a blob. Mm-hmm. So I decided to look this up because I was like, all right, there's got to be some other ones that people have run just amok with, and there's. A website or a an article on a website called Pingdom P I N G D O M and it's called Strange, Funny, and Baffling Units for Measuring Almost Anything. Hmm. And it makes me want to scream just a little bit. Um, so I'll just go down the list for you. Um and you can feel my pain. Um <laughs> uh Beard second, a unit inspired by the light year, but for extremely short distances. A beard second is defined as the length of an average physicist's beard grows in a second, about five nanometers. A beard second? A beard second. Like, as in a light year, but instead of the length of distance it takes light to go in a full year, it's the length that... An average physicist's beard grows in a second. That feels five very. Nanometers. That feels very subjective. Yeah. Oh, it's definitely subjective. Um, another one. A moot is apparently about one point seven meters, and it came about because a guy named Oliver Smoot was an MIT uh, fraternity pledge. It doesn't say what fraternity. But um, they used his height to measure the Harvard Bridge, and the bridge measured to be 364.4 moots. Um, so there's that. Yeah. Um, there's uh, a Sheppy is defined as the closest distance at which sheep remain picturesque, which is about seven-eighths of a mile. Oh my gosh. <laughs> There's a Mickey, 
which is also a unit of distance, length of the smallest detectable movement of a computer mouse. Uh, huh, that's really interesting. Is it named Mickey after the, the, the um, cartoon mouse? I would assume it's Mickey Mouse, yes. The slug is really the only one on this list that we use a lot. <laughs> because the U.S. customary units are uh, incredibly frustrating when it comes to doing physics because we need mass <laughs> instead yeah. of pounds, usually. Mm -hmm. um, there's um, donkey power, which is a spoof off of horsepower, mm -hmm. which is about one-third of horsepower, 250 mm -hmm. watts. Mm -hmm. um, there's the uh, Big Mac Index, Hey. Which is com which compares the purchasing power parity of countries measured in terms of the cost of a Big Mac hamburger. That is very interesting, actually. Yeah, and I think my personal favorite on this list is a nibble, which is a quantity of data, which is equal to mm -hmm. four bits, half of an eight-bit byte. It is convenient unit since it fits exactly one hexadecimal digit. I think it's calling it a nibble is very cute. I think so too. That's really cute. I like that a lot. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Just a nibble of information. A nibble. Just a nibble. How a much? Nibble. How Just many, a nibble. How many, how many nibbles do you think Google takes of my data? Too many. Too it's many. It's feasting. <laughs> it's feasting. Oh my yeah. gosh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Very cool. I had to write a whole paper on. Yeah. On the subject of Google, I had to write a whole paper about what Google knows about you, and I am thoroughly terrified. But that might be the subject for another episode. Yeah, I actually have to write a paper on that this week, I think. Um, cool. Or I have to do something like We can be paranoid the... together. Yay! Fun times. All right. Tag. Okay. Um, so what we learned in the world slash our adult life. This is a, this is kind of related to school stuff, um, but also just time management, which is something I'm really terrible with. Um, so I have a really nice planner. It's from the website and company called Passion Planner. Um, it's mm -hmm. really lovely, very kind of expensive, um, but it was a treat that I gave to myself uh, before the, the start of the semester. So it's called a passion planner. Um, there's different kinds that you can get. Um, uh, the one that I have is the weekly, I think. Um, so it basically breaks down every day of the week with like, I think it's 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. little time slots. Um, so I write in when I have class, when I have work, and when I have time to study, and then when I have like extracurricular meetings um, or like events. Mm -hmm. um, and that's been pretty helpful just to kind of be like, okay, this is when I'm going to do work for this class, this is when I'm going to do work for this class, and I've been trying to work on actually using that time. So I'm not just like, okay, I guess I'll just put it off until tonight or whatever, because then I don't do it. Um, and there's also a really helpful part at the bottom of the page that um, has like to-do lists. So I've been using one half of the to-do list for like my homework assignments and the other half for like my work and um, extracurricular 
like stuff that I do for my clubs. Um, and so that's been really helpful. I'm a very list oriented person. I write a million lists all the time. Um, so it's been really nice. And it's also just like a really nice book. Um, I have been using Google and like Outlook Calendar, but it's it's hard for me to get the work done unless I have like a physical representation of the thing that I have to do. Um, so having a, like a hardback mm -hmm. planner really helps. And I also um, have been using this web app called Notion. Um, you can just mm -hmm. look it up. You can also download it to your computer and it's basically creating your own website. So the way mine looks, I have uh, a couple different folders that I'm not using, but the one that I am using is just called Shannon's Fall 2020 and it has, you can like create a page. Um, so I've created different pages for all of my classes. Um, and then I have a list of weekly assignments. I have my schedule, like my week, generally my weekly schedule of like all my classes and stuff. Um, and then in the pages of my um, homework assignments, I'm just looking at one of my English classes right now, I have a list of all of my assignments that are due for the semester, and then my, re my readings, I can hyperlink them. Um, so I don't even have to go to like my Blackboard page and like go through all of that. I can just link it to, link the reading to this and just click on that so I don't have to go through all of that. Um, and it's really nice. nice. Um, because like I use my planner mainly to do my week-to-week -week stuff um, but then this is really nice so I can see kind of plan out the rest of my month and be like oh I have three assignments due on the same day so I know I'm gonna have to set aside certain time this weekend to do this much work um, and mm. I haven't like looked at it super in-depth I'm still kind of working it out it looks really helpful but you can also like make it look pretty like I have a bunch of different like heading pictures that's just like classic art um, because I think that's really cool um, but it has been really difficult for me to kind of get back into the swing of college and like getting homework done and that sort of thing because a lot of my homework is just reading um, and taking notes which is stuff that I love to do but I always assume it's gonna take less time which is not true um, so mm -hmm. by yeah. like yeah by like writing down my like reading assignments um and like other written assignments that i have to do in both my planner and in notion um it's been really helpful so hopefully it won't become overwhelming <laughs> um and i can get stuff done yeah i've already just this week i've already gotten um two assignments done i think um uh, yeah two assignments that i have to get done on time done so I'm pretty happy with that. Um, nice. So anyway. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, I've got like three different places that I keep stuff. I've, I use like Google Calendar. I have a hard planner and I just started trying to figure out Trello. Um, but that sounds like a super nice way to keep track of everything in one spot. Yeah. And it's kind of like, so you know, in Trello, how you can have like different boards for like Mm -hmm. different things so it's kind of like that that's kind of how my weekly assignments thing on notion looks um because i can move them mm -hmm. from like in progress to completed or not started to in progress or something like that um it's also nice to keep track of things that i've done because oftentimes i'll forget that i've done it and forget to submit it or i will just like forget if i have done the assignment or not which is not great um so this is a nice way mm -hmm. to keep track yeah. of to make sure I've turned everything in on time. What is your thing? Cool. Um, 
since I am now in an apartment and I'm not living on campus anymore, um, I have a whole room to myself and a bathroom and a closet, which is super nice. Yeah. Um, and I have figured out that I really like putting together furniture. Yeah. Like almost to a weird extent. (laughs) Um, and so I have a, a bookshelf from Ikea and two like little shoe rack things from Target that I'm using as not shoe racks. Well, I guess that one has shoes on it, but um, it is like weirdly calming to me to put together furniture. And I feel like yeah. there's so many cool like furniture things out there, even if it's just like going to Goodwill and picking up furniture and stuff. Like if you don't want to buy something new, that's totally cool. Um, and, you know, more power to you because you're keeping stuff out of landfills and all that good stuff. Um, personally, I have bought these three shelving units new because I was in a pinch and I wanted something quick. Um, but it's been really nice having, like, furniture that is mine Mm -hmm. and isn't, like, the, um, the apartment complexes that I live in. Because mm-hmm. we got our apartment furnished, but it only came with, it came with a bed frame, but I disassembled the bed frame so I could use my own bed frame and have a little bit more room. Um, it came with a bed, bed frame, a desk with a hutch on it, a chest of drawers, and a nightstand. And that was my furniture, which, granted, is more than I got in my dorm room, but it has been very nice to have a bookshelf because I have a lot of books. And it's been very mm-hmm. nice to have these little shelves that I can set all of my many, many aloe plants on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, have have little spaces for myself. I'm still trying to figure out, like, the little nitty-gritty pieces of my room. Like, I still have some banker boxes just kind of sitting in the corner of my room that need to be taken apart and sent back home. But, yeah, it's been really nice. Mm-hmm. I've been very happy to have my own room because uh as i'm sure you well as you experienced because you were still on campus technically Mm -hmm. um it is a royal pain to be moving in right now on campus yeah and uh i got to move off campus and get ac in my own bathroom so i'm not complaining (laughs) yeah this is last year was the first year where I had my own room and I'm back to sharing a room mm-hmm. with uh, my lovely lovely roommate right now who I love very much um, but yeah I do kind of miss having my own space um, but that mm-hmm. being said my roommate is very nice um, we are we work well together um, so yeah um, and we I feel already- like it's it's nice having sorry go ahead no go ahead Oh, I was going to say, I feel like it's nice having roommates that you, you know, get along with well, especially if you're, like, living together, which may seem uh, kind of like a duh statement. (laughs) But I don't know, especially in this apartment, because I have three other roommates, so there's four of us in this this apartment. Mm -hmm. Um, It's been nice, especially since I'm right next to the kitchen. If I want to be social, I can just leave my door open. Right, exactly. And somebody will pop their head in mm-hmm. but if i don't want to be social i can close my door and nobody bothers me yeah for all they know i'm taking a nap yeah exactly um, <laughs> taking a nap i'm procrastinating i'm doing homework they don't know what's going on in here mm-hmm. <laughs> and i can just be in my little hidey hole and be an introvert or i can be an extrovert if i want to mm-hmm. 
So yeah, yeah, it's nice. We have a kitchen, which is really nice. So I don't have to have a meal plan. I just make all my own food. Um, mm-hmm. So and man, how oh man, have we been making some good food? I have become like the queen of breakfast. <laughs> I'm really yeah. good at breakfast, and my roommate is really good at dinner. So we're a yeah. good team. One of one of my roommates has she really likes to cook. Mm-hmm. The other all of us will cook our own, you know, lunch and dinner if mm-hmm. left to our own devices. But she really likes to cook. And a couple of days ago she made these bomb chicken tacos. Mm-hmm. And I think we might actually still have some. Maybe that's what I'll do for dinner. I'll also have leftover chicken tacos. But I swear it was like chicken that was just like a little bit spicy, but also it had like avocado and pineapple on it. Wow. And it I'm- was top notch. <laughs> I haven't eaten lunch yet, so I'm pretty hungry. Oh, you should have eaten lunch. I know. I I will after we finish recording. Okay. Um, Speaking of finishing recording, do we want to close it off with some of our favorite media that we have consumed in the last week or so? Sure. You start this time. Sure. I start this time. Okay. Um, So one of them is kind of an old thing, and the other one is kind of a new thing. But I have this book called Conceptual Physics, and I believe it's by a guy named Paul Hewitt. Let me see if I can find it on my bookshelf. This book, yes, is Paul G. Hewitt, is my saving grace. It's got, like, every single thing you would need to know about physics in a book. And it's not, like, it's not very math-heavy. I mean, I mean, it's physics, so there is going to be some math involved. But... Mm-hmm. It goes more, in, it's less of like, you know, how does the math work out for black holes? It's like, this is what a black hole is mm-hmm. and why it's such a weird thing. Mm-hmm. So it's been very helpful, especially if I don't know, like if I don't have any clue about what my professors are talking about, I can go to this book and reference it and just, yeah. you know. Be like, oh yeah, okay, so when they say this, this is what they're talking about. Yeah. Um, which is nice. Um, and I have the sixth edition, which I think came from like a a used bookstore. What is the date in here? Um, 1989. So, hey. yeah. Um, Leveled books. Yeah, it's been a second. But this thing is, I mean, at least for the classical physics, it's still going strong. Um. I don't know quite how well it would hold up with modern physics, but uh, it is a great jumping off point. Um, And my second thing, the newer thing, is as a reward for me finishing up my summer classes, I got myself Stardew Valley, (laughs) as you know. And it has Mm -hmm. been so nice to be able to, like, if I want to procrastinate, I have something to do and play mm-hmm. my game. It's not just like sit there and watch YouTube videos. Yeah. And oh man, I love it. I've been getting very into the um like the cave, the mine thing. Yeah. Like going down and getting all the gems and slaying all the monsters and all that stuff. But I also really mm-hmm. enjoy the farming bit cuz yeah. I have a thriving wheat patch right now. <laughs> which is fun. I have wheat and, uh, what is it? Eggplants. I have eggplants. Wow. Um, we should so. make a farm together, because I, too, have Stardew Valley. We totally should. That would be so Also, fun. my cat 
the cat that they give you, his name is Newton, mm-hmm. and I love him very much. Oh, fantastic. What a good cat love is, name. Love is stored. Love is stored in the Newton. It's so Love cute. is stored in the Newton. That's going to be the title of the episode. <laughs> love is stored in the Newton. <laughs> wow. I love that so much. I also have a book that I want to bring. Um, nice. It's actually one of the books that I have to read for class. Um, it's been a, quite a while since I've read a book that I actually really enjoyed um, for class. Um, the last one, I think, was a year ago I read um, The Ocean at the End of the Lane by Neil Gaiman, which is an incredible book. But that's not mm-hmm. what I'm bringing. This year, I one of my assigned books um, is My Year of Meats by Ruth Ozeki, um, and I'm just going to read the Goodreads um, description because I don't really know how to describe it otherwise. So, a cross-cultural tale mm-hmm. of two women brought together by the intersections of television and industrial agriculture, fertility and motherhood, life and love, um, the breakout hit by the celebrated author Ruth Ozeki, uh, the author of A Tale for the Time of being, which also looks really cool. Um, So Ruth Ozeki's mesmerizing debut novel has captivated readers and reviewers worldwide when the documentarian Jane Takagi Little uh, finally lands a job producing a Japanese television show that just happens to be sponsored by an American meat exporting business. She uncovers some unsavory truths about love, fertility, and a dangerous hormone called DES. Soon she will cross paths with Akiko Ueno, a beleaguered Japanese housewife struggling to escape her overbearing husband. It is a very good book. Um, It deals with topics like feminism um, in the context of like kind of American feminism, but then what does it mean to be a woman in Japan, specifically like a housewife? Um, It takes place in like late 1900s or 1900s, 1990s, um, Mm -hmm. and they mention uh, Desert Storm or the Gulf War. Um, So it's um, kind of in that time period, like just pre 9-11 where the, um, there was this kind of unrest in the Middle East with Iraq, Kuwait, Saudi Arabia, and the Persian Gulf. so it deals with colonialism on that kind of level, um, but also mm-hmm. like westernization is a big um, facet of it too. And also like the meat industry, which I don't know a ton about, but after reading this book, and I still don't know a lot about it, um, but after this book, it really kind of enlightens you about like pro- the process of um, like the meat production basically. Um, Mm -hmm. And also, like, this was set in a time when hormones in meat was still kind of like a... They were starting to phase it out, but there was still a little bit of it happening, um, which is a big facet of it um, because it affects both Jane um, and uh, Akiko, um, that kind of, like... And also, like, fertility and what it means to be, like, a woman in general um is kind of a big facet of it as well it's just it's a lot of different complex ideas that are all kind of intertwined together and then like explored which is really cool um and it's told both from the perspective of jane the documentarian and akiko this kind of japanese housewife um 
And I will say there are, I will say just like trigger warnings, there's mentions of rape and um, loss of pregnancy um, and just kind of general violence against animals. Um, so if that is something that kind of icks you out or um, triggers you, just letting you know. Um, I don't think that is necessarily a big spoiler, um, but it is something that kind of caught me off guard, um, so I just want to put that out mm. there. It's a very good book, though. It's it's not that long. I don't know how many pages it is, but it's a good... I read it in, like, two days. Um, it was very good. Um, on a lighter note, <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't have a lot of chance to watch TV, but when I do, I usually just, like, have something on in the background while I'm doing homework or sewing or, you know planning or whatever um and i started watching legend of korra and i love avatar um it is one of the best yes. tv shows i think i've ever watched which it's designed for like kids it's a nickelodeon cartoon um but still very good and legend of korra is kind of the i think it's like 70 years or something like that after the events of um avatar um and it follows the new avatar korra um, who was a waterbender, um, to finish the cycle of, like, avatars. Um, mm -hmm. and it's really good. Um, I think it gets a lot of backlash because people were expecting it to be Avatar, and it's not. Um, yeah. and also, like, it was only supposed to run for one season, which I can already tell. I'm only, like, five episodes in, and I'm like, wow, we're moving really fast. Um, mm -hmm. but... It was only supposed to be one season, um, so I have a feeling that it's all going to be tied up at the end of the season. I hope, hopefully, it will be. Um, but then there's like four more, se like three or four more seasons after it. Um, so I'm very excited to continue watching it. I already like it a lot. Um, I'm trying to think of who's my favorite character right now. Hmm. Cora. I like all of them. I really like Bolin who is an earthbender um, that they meet. He's kind of a Sokka character, um, which oh, makes good. sense because I really liked Sokka in Avatar. Um, mm -hmm. I just met Asami. Didn't you say you like... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I just met Asami. Um, she was in the episode I just watched, which is... She's just kind of like a love interest right now. Um, mm -hmm. But I just think I just think she's neat. <laughs> Mm -hmm. um, and also there's um, the, so there's Bolin and Mako and their brothers, um, and they have a fire ferret who's basically like a red panda, and his name is, <gasps> oh my god, what is his name? Okay, his name is Pabu. <laughs> Pabu? He's very cute. Yeah, he's basically like if Aww. you took a red panda and made him long. Aww, <laughs> baby. It's very cute. Yeah, he's so cute. Um, his name is Pabu. He's kind of a Momo character. Um, is it Pabu so or Pabu? How do you spell Pabu. it? P-A-B-U. Okay, Pabu. Aw. Uh, yeah, that's such a good so name. Cute. Yeah, um, and, right. and Korra, like Aang had um, Appa, Korra has a... A polar bear dog named Naga. Um, and the Naga Pabu relationship is very much like Appa and Momo. Um, oh, this so is good. Um, this is very good. Yes. So I'm very excited to see where it goes. It looks really interesting. Um, 
I think it, it's going to deal more with the, like, political intrigue part of Avatar and not so much mm-hmm. the, like, spiritual war aspect because the war is, like, done. Um, yeah. But there's, like, political things that are going on. So it's yeah. really interesting. Ava- like, the the Avatar world is something that I've always found really interesting or since I watched, like, the, the first um, series. Um, mm-hmm. Because it deals with a lot of like really deep uh, things, um, yeah. And so I'm excited to see how they kind of translate that into um, Korra. Yeah, I've seen I've seen the first episode of it, and mm-hmm. I really appreciate how they didn't make the world perfect because they very easily could have done that and been like, oh, mm-hmm. and then there's this bad person who wants to ruin it all. But, like, the issues that it seems like... And granted, I've only ever seen... I have only seen the first episode right now. But it seems like the issues Mm. that they're dealing with are still somewhat baked into the world that, like... Yeah. Aang and Zuko and that that whole gang came up with. And it was... Like, they didn't create a perfect world. Which I think is really cool. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like they very easily could have gotten away with, like, yeah, this is a perfect world, and, you know, there's these people that are trying to undermine it, but yeah, they didn't go that route, which I appreciate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a very human show, which I really appreciate. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, that's pretty much it. Um, stay safe. Wear your yep. mask. Yep. Germex. Wash, wash your hands. hands. Six feet. Germex. Mm-hmm. Don't go out and party. All that, all that jazz. Don't do that, please. If I have to go home, I love our family. I do. But mm-hmm. if I have to go home because some fool decided they can't go a few months without partying, I'm going to be very upset. Yeah. So don't like, make me upset, please. Yeah. Even if you want to see your friends, like, that's cool. But, like, do, like, a... Like a picnic in the back of everyone's car so that everyone can sit in the back of their car and socially distance while also seeing everybody. (laughs) Like, there are ways to get around this other than just completely cutting yourself off from the outside world. Right, exactly. Be smart about it. And if you meet up in person, yeah, yeah, meet up in person, make sure you're in, like, a small group um, and make sure everyone is being safe. Mm -hmm. Um, So, please stay safe. Uh, mm-hmm. And spread joy and love and peace. <laughs> yes. Do good things. Yep. Do good things always. Learn new stuff. Learn new stuff. Do good things. Learn new stuff. Spread joy. We'll come up with a sign off at some point. <laughs> we'll figure it out eventually. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 